On the Virgin Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about a subject that is really, really important, uh, and I don't think we've ever addressed it specifically on the Virtual Bible Study through all the years. We want to talk about the work of elders. We're not going to talk about the qualifications of elders, which is a very important topic. But tonight we want to talk about the work that elders are supposed to do in local congregations. And so we hope you'll stay with us as we begin a very important study tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, September the 29th, 2022. We thank you for being there uh, as a participant uh, on the Virtual Bible Study tonight because we, we like to think of you as a participant, not just a listener. We want you to participate. You can get in touch with us as we go through our study tonight uh, by calling 931-381-4567, by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or probably most effectively by just joining in our live chat room uh, as the program goes along. Uh, there's a chat room box right near the video window that you're probably watching on your screen right now. And you can get in there, give yourself a name, your real name, a, a pseudo name, uh, whatever you want to do, a pin name, if you will, uh, and join in by making comments there. My good friend and brother, Monty Overton is here tonight. Monty, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening, Greg. Thank you. It's been it's been a while. You, yeah, you, I haven't been here in, yeah, in a while. You, you, Monty has been a regular participant through many years on the Virtual Bible Study, but we haven't had an opportunity to put him in that seat for quite a while, and so we're glad that he's here tonight. Our, our friend and brother Kyle Barnes running the controls as usual. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Um, before we get into our topic for discussion, I want to do a, just a little announcing Beginning a week from this Sunday, which will be October the 9th, not this Sunday, but a week from this coming Sunday, we begin a gospel meeting here at College View, and we want to tell everybody about that. If you are nearby, if you are in Middle Tennessee within a driving distance of, of uh, Columbia, Tennessee, if you're in North Alabama, uh, come and join us for the, virtu- uh, for the gospel meeting. Come and join us for the gospel meeting October 9th through the 14th. That's Sunday through the following Friday. On Sunday, we'll meet at our regular times on Sunday morning, but there'll be two lessons at 9.30 and 10.30, and then at 2.30 in the afternoon. Jeff Henderson, who preaches for the Oakland Congregation in Athens, Alabama, will be here on Sunday the 9th. Then on the Monday through Friday, we'll be at 7 o'clock each evening. Monday night, Josh McKibben, who preaches for the Hillview Church in Nashville. Tuesday night, Kevin Maxey, who preaches for the Port Royal Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Wednesday night, Jacob Gwynn. You know Jacob. Jacob preaches regularly for the South Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. Thursday night will be Jimmy Michaels from the uh, 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 Hickory Heights Congregation in Lewisburg, Tennessee. And then Friday night, Jim Deason will come all the way from Cullman, Alabama, to not preach for us this time, but to lead us in a congregational singing. So that's that's a great lineup, and I think, Monty, I think it should be really good that week. If people can come, we want them to come. I think we'll definitely be edified. Exactly. And, Kyle, we're going to try to live stream those as well. But we've we got a Middle Tennessee blackout area. <laughs> Uh, unenforceable, but we want to. We, yeah, we, yeah. we want to tell We're you. We're trying to. It's a guilt blackout area. Yeah, yeah, so, there you go. Yeah. If you can make it, then that's right. Yeah, yeah. Please come. Yeah, we want you to come. But we will be live streaming those uh, lessons, Lord willing. All right. So uh, let's get to our topic for discussion tonight. Uh, 
Uh, Monty, this is an important study for you and I. I don't know how many of our listeners may or may not know that you and I serve as elders of the College View Church here in Columbia, Tennessee. We, we are blessed to have a, another good man working with us. Uh, Gordon Mead is, the, is, is an elder here as well. Uh, and so we need to take this job really seriously. Well, it's definitely a serious job because we're told we're going to be accountable for how we do this job. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we're not only accountable for our own souls because we've accepted this responsibility, but we're accountable for the souls of the members here, too. Yeah. And that's a very sobering thing to know that not only am I responsible for myself, but for other people as well. I think you're exactly right. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We must give account. We, we, we're held accountable. And so there's a serious degree of, of responsibility associated with this job. And so we need to make sure we know what it is and that we are committed to do it to the best of our ability. So uh, for you and me personally, Monty, I think that we, we've got to take this topic really seriously. But it's an important subject for everybody to understand what the work of elders is because the the, the religious world has just corrupted the whole concept of church leadership. Yeah. And and people don't even know what the words mean, much less what the work is. Now, we have in the past talked about elders, and we've, we've, we've spent whole programs talking about the qualifications of elders, which are specific and which must be met before a man can serve in that capacity. But tonight we want to talk about the work itself. And so I've got a chart, and I'm going to ask Kyle to put it up on the screen if he can get that on there. Because the first question we asked to our update list was, what are the various words used synonymously in the New Testament for elders of a local congregation? Uh, And then what do these words imply about the work that elders are supposed to do? So that was the first question we put out to our update list today. We always tell you if you're not getting our updates, uh, send us an email to questions at College View and simply say, add me to the list and we will do that. But uh, I see that Josh has got that, or uh, Kyle rather has got that chart. He's got it uh, available on the screen. So let's look at that again, Kyle. It's up there. It's up there now. Okay. I've got a delay on my screen. Okay. So there are actually three different Greek words that apply to this office. Poimen, episkopos, and presbyteros. Those are the three Greek words. They are translated by six English words. Poimen is translated by the words shepherd and pastor. Episkopos is translated by the words overseer and bishop. Presbyteros is translated by the words elder and presbyter. Now, if you want to keep keep that screen up there, Kyle, for a minute, let, let me show you a couple of texts where these words are found. And they're used synonymously. I think the very important thing for us to emphasize is that a lot of people would think that a bishop, for instance, is different from a pastor. Or maybe an elder is not the same thing as a presbyter or, or whatever. But if you look at Acts 20, if, if, if you're listening with us, if you'll turn your scriptures to Acts 20, verse 17, we know that Paul had a special meeting. He called for a special meeting with the elders of the church at Ephesus. Acts 20, verse 17 says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said, so no, hang on to that for a minute. He called the elders That word elders is translated from the Greek word presbyteros. He called the presbyteros from the church at at Ephesus. Now, if you skip down to verse 28, he said to these men, the presbyteros, the elders, he said, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. The Holy Ghost had made them overseers. The, that word, overseers, is translated from the Greek word episkopos. And so they were the elders, the presbyteros, but they were also overseers. They were the episkopos. Uh, 
And then he says, you are to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The word feed there is the verb form of the Greek word poimen, which is for a shepherd. That's what a shepherd does. Uh, is he, he feeds the flock. So right there in Acts 20, beginning at verse 17. So if you link verse 17 with verse 28, you see all three of those Greek words used relative to the same group of men, the elders from the church at Ephesus. All right. Now, I want to show you one more place here in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Paul says to Titus, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city. Elders, again, from presbyteros. He says, uh, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless, and then the qualifications go. So notice, he said, I, I want you to appoint elders, presbyteros, but they, these elders are are the episcopos, the bishops, the overseers. Uh, and then, and so there in Titus 1, we see two of the terms used, obviously used synonymously, presbyteros and episcopos. And then one more place, I don't want to weary, weary you with this, but one more place in First Peter 5, beginning verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort whom also an elder. Elder comes from presbyteros. He says, I'm also a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. That's, that's, the, that's the verb form of the Greek word poimen for shepherd or pastor. And he says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. The oversight is from the Greek word episkopos. And so in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, again, we see the, the same words used, uh, and they're used synonymously. They're, they're used interchangeably. Elders, well, again, the Greek words are presbyteros, poimen, episkopos, but tra- those words are translated uh, uh, in the New Testament as shepherd, pastor, overseer, bishop, elder, presbyter. Now, uh, uh, I hope that we've got that in place. And I only got one email before the program began, and it was from Dwight uh, in Iowa. And he's got the, he, he's got the same things, uh, acknowledged the same Greek words and the same English translation. So thank you, Dwight, for that. that was a good bit of study on your part. And I appreciate that. Now, that that may or may not be helpful, Monty, but... Each of those words says something about what these men are supposed to do, right? So let's start with shepherd and pastor. The other part of question one that I asked our update list is what do these words imply about the work that elders are supposed to do? So the first word, poimen, translated by the English word shepherd or pastor, what's your thinking on what would that tell us about the work that elders are supposed to do if they're supposed to be shepherds and pastors? Well, when we think about a shepherd and he's overseeing a, a flock of sheep, he's tending to their needs. He keeps his eye on them to see what their needs are that specifically as individual members of the flock because each sheep in the flock is going to have an injury or an illness or something like that that's got to be tended to individually. But he also looks over the flock as a whole to see what their needs are. Uh, as it talks about feeding the flock or feeding the sheep, uh, he's going to see to it that they have the water that they need in order to, to flourish and the food that they need in order to flourish and to make sure that it's available to them in a manner that's consistent with the way that they can use it. And okay. so he's got the general oversight of the whole flock. He's got the oversight of them individually, and he's to make sure their needs are met so that they can flourish spiritually. You know, whole books have been written uh, about the parallel between a physical shepherd who oversees sheep, a flock of sheep, and, and the work that that spiritual shepherds or pastors are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I mean, it, it's, a, it's a neat parallel. I mean, because here's a shepherd over a flock of sheep. Well, he wants to make, as you said, he wants to make sure they're fed and that they're watered and that they're protected from... Mm-hmm. He's looking from, out for enemies. Yeah, you know... The wolves wolf, or whatever, they yeah. would attack them. 
And if you just draw a spiritual parallel to that, spiritual food and nourishment, teaching. So the spiritual food is from the word of God. We want to make sure that the flock is fed, nourished spiritually. And that nourishment comes from the word of God. It doesn't come from hot dogs and hamburgers at a, at a uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of a fellowship meal. Mm-hmm. It comes, the, the spiritual nourishment. In First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Peter talked about the sincere milk of the word. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrew writers talks about strong meat. Uh, a meat belongs to those who are strong, who mm-hmm. are mature. So uh, the, the food, the nourishment that elders need to be making sure the flock has is going to be exposure to the word. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really ultimately important. So one of the things that's been badly abused in the religious world, money, is that the term pastor has come to be applied to preachers, yeah, and 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 that they are just one. So here's here's the here's so and so who is the pastor of such and such Baptist church. He is the pastor of mm-hmm. the church. He's the preacher basically, but they've taken that name pastor and they've applied it to the preacher, and they've really perverted a lot of people's thinking as to what that word means. Well, they've got away from the pattern that we find in the New Testament of how of who, what a pastor is, who he is. And what his work is. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we want to do the same thing with these other two words, episcopos and presbyteros, but we, we're up against uh, time for a break. So we're going to grab a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about the important work that elders are supposed to do. Stay with us on the Virtual Bible Study. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old... He will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Parents are told to teach their children God's ways, to create a solid foundation for them, the only true foundation that can support them for all of their days. So train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't wait until everything is just right. It will never be perfect. There will always be challenges, obstacles, and less than perfect conditions. So what? Get started now. You are the embodiment of the information you choose to accept and act upon. To change your circumstances, you need to change your thinking and subsequent actions. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about the work of elders. But we could also change that title. I, I think that's the title we've got that, that, that uh, Kyle's got up on the YouTube screen. We're talking about the, the work of elders. But we could call it the work of shepherds. We could talk about the work of pastors. We could talk about the work of overseers, the work of bishops. We could talk about the work of presbyters because those are all words that are used synonymously. And we've tried to show that in, in our study thus far. Let's talk about, Monty, let's talk about episkopos which is translated overseer and bishop. My understanding of the literal meaning of that word is it, it describes someone who is uh, like a superintendent, uh, one who sees that things being done by others are being done accurately. You know, you might think of a, a superintendent on a job site. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily literally do all of the jobs but he makes sure he makes sure that all the jobs are being done correctly. In my line of work, I would think maybe of a, a shop foreman. Yeah. Somebody who's not the owner of the business. He doesn't make the rules, but he does see to it the work gets done in a timely manner and enforces the rules, so to speak. Yeah. And and, and that is exactly the again. So that would how how it would be true in a physical environment, and that's how it it is spiritually in a local congregation. There's a lot of different moving parts in a local congregation. I mean, there's a lot of people doing lots of different things that are necessary and important. For instance, uh, we, this this coming Sunday, we're going to have, we'll, it, it'll be time for us to change our teachers. Uh, we've got a lot of good people who teach Bible classes. Uh, 
we, you and I and Gordon, the three elders here, we can't teach all the Bible classes. We really need Bible class teachers, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that they're doing that work accurately. You know, it, it's our, part of our responsibility to see that that teaching program is done faithfully to the Word of God. Right. And, and so that would sort of be the idea of overseeing the work in general, but also to oversee the work of every particular Christian. You know, if 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 we've got a brother or sister who's really struggling, uh, uh, just not doing well spiritually, our part of our oversight would be to see to the needs of that that individual. It's like we was mentioning with the the shepherd a minute ago. They may be an individual sheep that's got some injury or illness that we have to give specific special attention to rather than just the general attention to the whole flock. Sometimes there's going to be individuals that are going to need more attention, and we've got to be looking out for that, aware of that, and and ready to take care of that. Exactly right. Now, just like with the term pastor that we were talking about earlier, how it's been perverted, the term bishop, which, again, so this Greek word that applies to this office in the local church, episkopos, is translated in our New Testaments with the word overseer or bishop. Now, I don't think people probably have too much problem with overseer. I mean, but the term bishop has been just polluted, especially by the Catholic Church, because in the Catholic Church, the bishop is is a higher ranking officer who's not just over a local church, but maybe he's over a whole geographical mm-hmm. region. And all of the local churches that are in that region are under this bishop. And so he's and, and, he, and he's a singular individual. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a. A, a group of bishops. He's he's a bishop who has oversight capacity over all these churches uh, in, in a local region. We're going to talk in just a minute about the limitations that God has placed upon elders, bishops, overseers. But again, that terminology has been badly corrupted. It's just a shame that historically people have taken the simple teaching of the New Testament about how local churches are to be organized how they are to be independent and autonomous, and they've just absolutely made a wreck of that. Dwight and Michelle sent a, a, made a comment in the chat room as we was talking about uh, the denominational world has made their preacher and called him the pastor. They point out that a, past, a preacher can be a pastor or elder or bishop as long as they meet the qualifications, and that's uh, he they mentioned that Peter was an example of that, exactly. and also you're an example of that because you're our local preacher, our regular full-time in that effort, but you're also also serve as an elder of the congregation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and us doing that doesn't prove it so, but we do have a biblical but we've pattern. Got, that's what he's pointing yeah. out. Yeah. The apostle Peter said that he was an, also an elder of the church exactly. as well as an apostle. Yeah, that's exactly right. So... Dwight in his email said that the bishop overseer is one who looks over, superintends, and inspects to see that things are done right by a local church. I think you're exactly right uh, um, on that. But it's important we make sure that people understand this idea of a bishop is not an individual that that is over a multitude of churches. He is one of a group of men that is a bishop or an overseer in a individual local church, exactly. not multiple churches, but a single church. And we're going to, and I really want to stress that. And that's going to be our next question when we get to it here. Let's talk about one more word here, uh, Monty. Presbyteros. Presbyteros is translated by the English words elder and presbyter. Now we don't talk, we don't use the English word presbyter very much. I think probably you can see in it the Presbyterian church mm-hmm. comes from that word. But presbyteros, or elder, uh, literally suggests one who is older, experienced, and wise, uh, who exercises mature judgment and leadership abilities in the local church. And so I think here the word probably pretty well defines itself. An elder is one who is older, experienced, mature, who hopefully possesses a degree of wisdom that can help in leading the local congregation and every member of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you could kind of contrast this, Monty, with maybe here, here's, a, here's a, a young man. Maybe he's in his early, mid-20s. He's a really good guy, but he, he's not qualified to be an elder for lots of reasons, probably. But 
he doesn't also he's he also hasn't attained to that status in life wherein he is literally an elder he's an older man who has who has assimilated experience and and maturity and wisdom from the things that he has seen and engaged you know as we look in the bible and we see it mentions several times the elders of a city this wasn't talking about young men it was talking about older men who maybe would be closer to what we would think of as uh, retired people that they were able to set in the gates of the city and people would come there to ask their opinion and get judgments from them on so you might they might have a a conflict with a neighbor, and they would come and ask the elders of the city to make a judgment, a wise judgment on that, and not being rude or insulting toward younger people. But we generally, we think about young people. We talk about the impetuousness of youth, how sporadic and how off, flying off the cuff they are, and how we use that term impetuous. Uh, that's not uh, the wisdom we, that people would be looking for from an elder. Exactly. And right. so, just the terms impetuous youth or an elder of the city. It has, says a lot about it, just the way they're used. Yeah. So th- that word uh, uh, kind of defines it. The, mm-hmm. the, the the meaning of it is pretty well defined, how it would apply to a spiritual elder in a local congregation. So let's put that chart up one more time, Kyle. Uh, and, and I really hope that if we don't get anything else across, I hope that we can emphasize that here, here are six English words. Come, they come from three different Greek words. Now, we through the years we've we've I think almost made a conscious effort not to just make a big play about the Greek language. And so I, I don't I don't want anybody to think if you don't know Greek you can't understand this topic or or can't understand the New Testament or can't understand various topics in the New Testament. Uh, if you didn't know a word of Greek, if you never knew what a word of Greek was, you can understand it. We're just show, but the reason we put this up here is to show that these words are used interchangeably. They're, they're synonyms. They, they apply to the same men in a local congregation. And so the, the ones that I think probably haven't been too terribly uh, uh, abused or misunderstood, shepherd, overseer, elder, but pastor, Bishop and presbyter, you know, in the Presbyterian church, the presbyters go into conference and vote and legislate rules and laws. The Presbyterian church uh, is is has has messed up the meaning of that word. So, but again, for all of our listeners and for those who really want to to have a good grasp on the the biblical organization of local churches understand that these words apply to the same group of men and they they are used synonymously and and even though the religious world has really uh messed that up uh let's make sure we have a good handle on the meaning of the words and what it implies about the work that elders are supposed to do okay we are uh, ready to grab another break when we come back a really, really important thing that we want to discuss is the authoritative limits that uh, is that are placed upon the work that elders are to do. And we're going to grab that topic and we're going to talk about it when we come back from this break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, this is Preston Jackson. From Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. He has been married to his college sweetheart for 15 years now. They have two kids, a lovely house in the suburbs, and lots of friends. He's got a good, secure job. Everything looks great. But in recent months, he has been depressed and unhappy. His wife, noticing these changes, has been worried about him. Is he having a midlife crisis? Is there another woman? Finally, she summons up the courage to ask him what's wrong. He assures her that there is no other woman. He would never do such a thing as that. What's the problem? To be totally honest, he says, I just don't love you anymore. Her pain is deep and obvious. But the husband hastens to add, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you and the kids. I'll still be here. I know it would be wrong to get a divorce. I'll fulfill my obligations. We'll keep going on. How do you think that wife would react? Do you imagine that she will be relieved? Will she be happy to know that her marriage will continue, but only as an outward show? 
Is that enough? Can fulfilling obligations take place of I love you? This imaginary account has too many real-life counterparts. We think there are a number of spiritual parallels, too. How many Christians have lost their real love for the Lord? Oh, yes, they continue to go through the motions. They worship regularly, even show up for some of the special things, but it is done out of obligation, not out of genuine love. Will that suffice? No. Jesus says, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Repent and do the first work, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. The Lord desires service based on love. Nothing else will do. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that the virtual Bible study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by going to our website, collegeview.com. A lot of resources there, and you can find out a lot of information about the church. You can find out about our meeting times and our meeting place. But you can also see a lot of resource there, uh, Kyle, a lot of teaching resources on collegeview.com. Yeah, a lot of stuff to find <clears throat> to add to your Bible study or just, uh, yeah. There's resources on collegeview.com, and there's resources you can link to this channel and our College View live stream channel. So, so we a, got two you, we got yeah. two YouTube channels and and a vast array of archives on each of those. College View live stream, and you can again you can find that link on our website collegeview.com, or you can just go to YouTube and search for College View live stream. But we've got. Uh, a, a, a long list of sermons, and then we've also got our Bible class, our Bible studies are on there too, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, everything's on there. It's all, yeah, our sermons, and we're studying uh, Old Testament uh, characters right now on uh, Wednesday night. So, the Book Luke of on Luke, Sunday. Book of Luke on Sunday yeah, morning. So. And and Kyle is good to build playlists. So if you if you are interested, for instance, in studying along with us through the Book of Luke. You can you can follow lessons in progression as we as we're covering that on Sunday morning. So all of that's on collegeview.com or collegeview live stream. And then here on the virtual Bible study, we've been doing the virtual Bible study for over 17 years, and we've covered hundreds of Bible topics. and And you can find the archives of those on the virtual Bible study dot com. So there's a lot out there, Kyle. Yep, that's all. It's yeah, anything, nearly any topic, especially on the virtual Bible study, any topic you can probably think of, there's been a program about it, I would think. So yeah. if not, send us an email, we'll do it. That's so. right. Send us, an, <laughs> uh, send us a suggestion about a topic. We'd be glad to hear it. Thanks, Kyle, for all the work you do on that. Uh, we're, we're talking tonight about the work of elders, which I actually, as I said at the outset, I think this is a little bit different take on on the topic of elders than we've done in the past. We have talked about elders in the past, more so talking about the qualifications of elders here we're talking especially about the work that elders have to do. But I asked another question to our update list, Monty. I said, what are the authoritative limits on the work that elders are to do? You know, as we as we think about the limits of the work that elders are doing, especially as we exam, compare what we'll find scriptural limits are as compared to the denominational world, uh, these people that we mentioned like the presbyters or bishops or people like that in the denominational world, they make up the rules. They decide what's a sin this year and what's not uh, and, and things like that. They get together in councils and things like that and vote on what's right and what's wrong. Uh, the limit that we have on our authority on the work of elders has to do with what does the Bible say. Uh, we don't make the rules as elders. We don't decide that this particular thing is a sin this year or, or whatnot as, as opposed to what it that might have been the societal norm for last year, what we do is we present the Word of God and we make sure that the congregation is fed the Word of God. God has decided what the rules are, and he inspired men to write them down for us, and we just try to make sure the flock understands those rules. So, for instance, uh, several years ago, we uh, interviewed on the virtual Bible study a, a, a fellow who was a presbyter, and the Presbyterian Church had just returned from the National Convention of the Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church and they had taken a vote on whether or not to ordain homosexual ministers in the Presbyterian Church. Well, I mean, the, the whole notion of that is anti-biblical. The idea that you could take a vote and make a rule relative to a moral sin like homosexuality 
but that's just how perverted it, but mm-hmm. it, it has become. But as you're saying, so one limitation on the work of elders is that all all they can do is work within the confines of the inspired word of God. We can't go beyond it. We we can't we can't neglect any of it, and we can't go beyond it. We can't take from or add to the word of God. It's not we we are not legislative hmm. authorities. We don't have it, it. It's not in our realm. It's not in our purview to make rules. We we only have the authority based upon what is revealed in the Word of God. You know, I think I think that's exactly right. Now, another area of limitation that that I think needs to be stressed is the idea of of we're limited to the local church of which we are also members mm-hmm. in in first uh, peter five we re- we referenced this earlier but read read it with me again first peter five verse one the elders which are among you i exhort who am also an elder and a witness uh of the sufferings of christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed feed the flock of god which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So notice, Peter is speaking to elders. He he mentions that he himself is an elder. He says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So, Monty, there's a church in Nashville. You're not a member of that church. You're a member of the church here at College U. Could you have oversight capacity of not only this local church, but you could have some oversight control of that church as well? You know, I'm I'm not an overseer of any other body of members except for the church at College View here in Columbia. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us that example that that's or the authority to do that as elders. I don't have authority, but from the scriptures to serve as an overseer of anywhere else but the, the the congregation that's local to me that of the flock that is among that I am a part of that I am among yeah. uh, I'm not among uh, some congregation in Nashville or Africa or anywhere else I'm among this congregation here and that's the only people that I have any oversight over I think that's exactly right you know th- th- there's a principle here that just is should be inviolate we should never abuse or or change or alter this idea of local church independence and autonomy and and unfortunately that's happened it's happened widely in the religious world generally but sadly even among churches of christ this principle has been violated i'm thinking specifically Monty, of a a a practice called the sponsoring church Mm -hmm. arrangement and the sponsoring church arrangement among churches of Christ is when one congregation decides to do a work, it's a work bigger than they're able to accomplish on their own. They can't finance it. They can't deal with it. And so they ask other churches to send money to them so that they, so that the elders of the sponsoring church can oversee this big, massive work. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it, the elders of the contributing churches have surrendered their oversight. The elders of the sponsoring church have assumed the oversight of a work bigger than their own. They have completely abolished the notion of autonomy, Mm -hmm. independence and self-governance on the part of those local churches. And so they are violating first Peter chapter five, verse two, feed the flock of God, which is among you taking oversight of it. Uh, they're, 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 they're they're overseeing something bigger than that. And, and it's, it's a a violation. And and we talk about authority here at college you a lot. And because it's such an important topic, because we have to make sure we have authority for whatever work we're doing as the, the church here, whether it's as individuals, I have, I'm authorized as an individual to do certain things. I'm authorized as an elder to do certain things. The congregation is authorized by God to do certain things. But if we can't find in that authority that we read in the scriptures, then we don't have the authority. We don't have the right or the responsibility to do those things. Uh, Exactly right. Uh, Dwight in his email says, limits are nothing more than what the Bible God allows. They can only shepherd the congregation that they belong to. They are to guard and protect along with feeding the church and watching over the work. But Dwight 
is on the same page as us. They can only shepherd the church that they belong to. So I think in the that, chat room, Dwight and Michelle said one cannot effectively be an elder of another church other than the one he's a member of because they are not there to see and know the members and their needs. Exactly right. I think you're right, Dwight. All right. So we've talked about the the limitations of the authoritative limitations that are placed upon elders in local churches. How about this, Monty? I asked this question. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says that elders should be obeyed. In what sense is that true, and in what sense would it not be true? Read that for us. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen, it says, "Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you." And so I think these two important words here, you mentioned the word obey in the question, but it has the word, uh, some translation said, and submit to, or this translation said be submissive to. Uh, the idea of obey, we, I think we understand we've got to do what we're told. Uh, the idea of submission, I think, is a concept that is a culture of America we struggle with. We don't want to, the idea of submit has to do with turning my will over to someone else. And we don't like to do that as Americans. We think we're all We'll do what we want to, and we don't have to listen to nobody. But that's not what this passage is telling us. It's telling us that the elders should be obeyed. Uh, and as we mentioned a while ago in First Peter 5 and verse 3, it talks about the elders are not to lord over the congregation, but to be examples. And so we're, the elders is to be obeyed, but not as lords making rules, as we talked about earlier. We don't have the authority to decide what's right and wrong, but we're to be obeyed as, as leaders or examples, as it, as it says here in First Peter 5. Uh, and it, the people that are to do that are told why, because we have to give an account for for our jo- how we handle this job of being leaders in the congregation. Uh, we have to give account for the souls of the people that are under us, and it says for them to obey us and submit to us in a way that gives us joy and not grief. Yeah. Because they give us grief, it says it wouldn't. It's not going to be good for them. So I, it's really sort of a, a threat that God throws out there. You've got a responsibility to the elders. Uh, so. Yes, we do have authority, and we should. people should do what we ask them to do, but they need to have the right attitude about it, and we have to have the right attitude about it. Yeah. Now, I want, the part of that that I want to emphasize, Monty, is what, in, in what things should they obey us? So uh, let's say you and me and Gordon, who are the elders here at college, you, we, we make a decision. We're going to bring in an organ. We we just we've just decided we've made it we've made a, a, a an executive decision that we're going to start employing instrumental music in in our worship services, and we expect all the members here to obey us and submit to us in regards to that decision. We are going to start using instrumental music in our worship. Well, see, we've gotten outside of our thar- of our authority. We're not legislators. Yeah, uh, the Bible's been specific on what God wants. As far as our music and worship is to be vocal music. So we don't have the authority to do that. So the congregation is not going to submit to that. Uh, if we were to make that kind of a decision and try to institute that, I would hope the congregation would say, fellas, we love you, but you're not going to be elders here anymore. Yeah. So if it's not about matters of faith and doctrine, we obey the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in matters of faith and doctrine. If it's not, if they're not, so so this idea of obeying us doesn't pertain to faith and doctrine because in faith and doctrine we obey the Lord. Then I'm arguing that the only area left would be in matters of discretion and judgment. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the, the congregation should obey or submit to the leaders, the elders, the shepherds, the pastors, the the the, the bishops, the, the presbyters, all those. Were, the, the members should submit when it comes to matters of judgment and expediency and discretion. Yes. You know, you know uh, in, the, in the workings of a local congregation, there are decisions, judgments that have to be made. For instance, uh, Monty, just recently we decided to begin supporting a preacher in Ghana in West mm-hmm. Africa. Uh, we, we, we took that matter under serious advisement and and uh we decided that that was what we thought was the appropriate thing to do uh and we, we support a number of other men and he's just going to be added to the, one, yeah. he's going to be added to the list of men that we support on a regular basis 
And so that was announced to the congregation. And and the congregation should say, okay, the, the, the elders have decided mm-hmm. that. That's within the realm of their authority to make such decisions. It's a matter of judgment as to who it's we're going to support It's a matter of judgment not. in the authorized business of evangelism. Mm-hmm. So evangelism is an authorized work. That's of the a local commanded church. thing. Yeah. But but a judgment concerning this specific man uh, was made. We would expect the, the brethren to acknowledge that and 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 agree and and wholeheartedly support mm-hmm. that decision to do that. So I'm I'm arguing that the only the only realm in which elders should be obeyed or submitted to is in these matters of judgment, discretion, expediencies. Mm-hmm. And really, that's. That's the way it has to be. Uh, and then when we think about it, as far as being obeyed, if we tell the congregation this is what the Bible says and we give them book, chapter, and verse and demonstrate from the Scripture this is clearly what it says, then they should obey us on that because we're just saying obey God. Here's what God said. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But I think we got a note in the chat room. Uh, what we got there? Uh, uh, I don't know if you can hear me on the microphone over there. David says that they should submit in deciding, for instance, things like what time to meet. Well, that's a that's a discretionary thing. We're to meet on the Lord's day. We're to meet on the Lord's day, Monty. Uh, uh, and one of the things we do on the Lord's day is rem- observe the Lord's supper. Mm-hmm. But what time of day? Well, that decision has to be made. Uh, and so, when we make that decision, we hope. Brethren would, and we we would take that under advisement. You know, if if you money, you get up real early typically, and if you decide, if you said, "Hey, listen, I'm usually up by three thirty or four o'clock in the morning. Let's meet then." I I think that the, the brethren could say, "You know, that's not really a good decision. We'd rather not do that." Uh, so, but we would take it under advisement. But when the decision is ultimately made, then that's to be submitted yeah. to. But. The meeting on the first day of the week isn't something that we, can that we that. get to decide about Well, we're going to meet on the first day of the week or maybe we're not going to meet on the first. No, yeah. the, the Bible commands us to meet on the first day of the week. We're to take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. And so that has to be done then. But the decision as to when and what time is going to work out best and and fit the needs of the congregation here is something that we as elders have to decide. I think you're right. Brian in California says when elders err doctrinally, as a last resort, take the transgression before the church, Matthew 18, verse 17. And that's right. You know, that's that's an important point that Brian brings up. You know, it's not to be assumed that elders are infallible. They absolutely are not. Uh, in fact, Paul told Timothy, uh, where, where is this? What am I looking for? Uh, uh, he says in First Timothy 5, uh, verse 19, against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. And so in that statement is obviously Paul is saying the occasion may certainly arise where elders sin. He said, don't, don't receive accusations. Don't just receive frivolous accusations mm-hmm. against an elder. But when when their sin is provable and established, rebuke them before all. The and we have men. an example in Scripture of that because the Apostle Paul rebuked Peter, who was an elder, before all, he said, because there was something he, he was doing that was a sin. So he rebuked him before everyone. So we know that that happened in the New Testament. The Bible clearly tells us that. Exactly right. Exactly right. We're going to grab our last break. We're going to go to the top of the hour right after this. Stay with us on the virtual Bible study. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a recent survey, only 12% of respondents claim they read the Bible at least once a month. Levels are similar across all age groups until we get to the 65-plus age group where the numbers accessing the Bible at least once a month rises to 19%. Men are more likely to never read the Bible, 73%, than women, 62%. That information is via christianresearch.org. The Word of God says in Hosea 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study, going to the top of the hour, talking about the work of elders. Um, 
Let me make sure I got Dwight's email. Dwight put together a great email for us here. Uh, he says, uh, relative to that last question, elders are to be obeyed to the point that it does not go against God's word. If the elders decided to roll in a piano for worship, we cannot go along with that. If they allow those living in adultery or as homosexuals to be members of the local church, we cannot go along with that. I think, I think he's exactly right. He's on the same page we are on that topic. All right. Real quickly, Monty, in that, in, in talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, in Acts chapter 20, at verse 31, Acts 20, verse 31, to those elders, Paul said, therefore, watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. What, what do you think that watching would include? Well, specific to the context here, uh, he said in verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will arise speaking first things to draw away disciples after themselves. So specific in that contest, he's talking about false teachers. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about people that's going to come and teach things that are not right, that's going to cause people to be lost for the purpose of uh, developing a following after themselves. And so when we think about this watch here that he's talking about here, the elders have to be aware of what is being taught of the congregation, we've got to. I mean, when we when he talked referred to them as savage wolves, the shepherd's not going to let this wolf approach and hang out in the middle of the flock to see what he's going to do. He's going to recognize wolves for what they are. They're a danger to the flock. He's going to identify them and drive them out. He's going to keep them away from the flock. So they, that's one of the jobs we have as elders to do. We've got to be aware of what's being taught. Uh, Maybe of people that start visiting, even they're not members of the flock here yet. But as they start visiting, we might have to do some research on them and identify what their beliefs are. You know, talk with them and and maybe other ways. Uh, there's people that preachers that might decide to come worship here that we can look at their websites. Some of them have websites. We can see sermons that they've posted and see what they teach I'm, to I'm, make sure that's compatible with God's word. Monty, that's a lot of work, man. You're, you're, you're putting a big responsibility. I mean, it's going to take some time and effort to be, to be chasing all that down. Well, I didn't put the responsibility on us. God did. <laughs> he said to watch. Okay. Paul, I, is, I, Paul is specifically telling the elders that's their responsibility to make sure the flock is being fed the sincere milk of the word and not false doctrine. I think you're right. Uh, and and some folks may know that we had a, a situation recently where uh, here at College View where we felt as the elders it was necessary to make that call mm-hmm. and identify an individual who, who was having some association with our members that this man's a false teacher, uh, specifically a false teacher on the matter of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And and you need to be aware of that. And mm-hmm. so we had to, we we felt that the flock was threatened by a false teacher, a wolf, uh, if you will, uh, who was teaching false doctrine. And and we felt it necessary to warn them. We mm-hmm. were because we we believed it was our responsibility to be watchful in that matter. Uh, so uh, elders will watch. They're going to watch against false teachers. That same context said uh, there in Acts twenty, watch. Take heed to yourselves, Paul said, because he said some of this evil influence is going to come from among yourselves. Mm -hmm. And so elders need to watch themselves, make sure that they're maintaining doctrinal soundness, moral purity. Elders need to watch themselves. And I think that means I need to be watching myself and also that the other elders need to be watching me. We've got that responsibility to each other as elders to make sure we're teaching the right things. And we've got that responsibility to ourselves to make sure we're teaching the right thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I think it would be worth emphasizing again that elders are, are in any local congregation, elders in any local congregation are fallible mm-hmm. human beings. And so they're going to make mistakes. Some mistakes may be just mistakes of judgment. You know, we all make mistakes of judgment. That are not necessarily sinful. They 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 just they just not good just not good decisions, and elders can do that. And when they do, I I think it's certainly appropriate for members of the church to say, you know, that's not a very good decision that you made. Maybe we should maybe it should be rethought. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should go back over that again. But in matters where elders sin, then as 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 Paul told Timothy, rebuke those 
so mm-hmm. rebuke them before all so that others may learn. Uh, so elders are not infallible people. And it may be the case. You know, one of the things that is sort of sometimes wrongly assumed is that elders are appointed for life. It's it's like a Supreme Court appointment. Mm-hmm. It's a lifetime appointment. No, it's not. Not necessarily so. You know, uh, and our purpose tonight is not to talk about qualifications, but it may be that uh, a man who has been qualified becomes unqualified for one reason or another. For instance, I take the view that if a man's wife dies... He's not qualified anymore. He's not the husband of one wife, which is one of the qualifications. But it may be that a man becomes unqualified because of some moral issue. Maybe mm-hmm. some sin has entered into his life. And and so he shouldn't continue in that office because of that reason. But we're not saying that elders are infallible persons. They are not. No, we're, we don't mean that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We all recognize that we're weak and sinful. And we require God's grace and forgiveness just like everyone else does. Yeah. Um, real quickly, and we're just about out of time. Titus 1.9 says, by, by the way, uh, you may have seen a typo if, you're, if you look closely at the, at the update list. Uh, the elders are supposed to exhort. Titus 1.9, or I think it's verse 8 actually. Titus 1.8 says that elders are to exhort and convince the gainsayers. What does that mean? What's a gainsayer, Monty? Well, to me, that gainsayer is someone that's saying something different. Uh, maybe even, as we mentioned a minute ago in First P- Peter, uh, he's talking about people, that, that idea of gain. They're, they're preaching a different doctrine in order to gain a following for financial gain, possibly, or, their, or status, whatnot. But at any rate, it's false teachers. And so the elders are able to exhort and convince them. The elder is supposed to be a person with sufficient Bible knowledge and command of the Scriptures that I can rebuke a false teacher. I can show them that here's what the Bible says, the error of your way, and hopefully be able to convince them, uh, to exhort them for sure, but we want to convince them or... might use the word convict them yeah. there. We, again, just like we mentioned a minute but, ago. But it implies you're going to have to be a student. I've got to be a good Bible student. Yeah, yeah. You, if you, you can't do that if you don't know the word yourself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Dwight's got a really good answer on this. Dwight from Iowa says, gainsayer is another word for contradict or speak against or to dispute. And so a gainsayer is one who's disputing against mm-hmm. the truth. It requires people who do these things to be stopped. Proverbs 6.19 says, The Lord hates a false witness who speaks lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Titus 1.11 says, Paul states that these people must be stopped because they are upsetting the, the, the whole family of God. So I think that's exactly right. So, But I, I think that the, the, the reason I put that question in their money is because I think a part of our work is necessarily that we apply ourselves to the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not... Every Christian should be a good Bible student, but our job description especially requires us to be diligent students. And so that's something we've got to pay attention to on a regular basis. So you can't, I, I, you know. You I can't stu- sit back and say I've arrived. I, I studied that a long time ago. Yeah. No, I've got to keep studying that. So I, I think that's an important part of the work that elders have to do is to, to stay up on their Bible knowledge and, and keep working to learn more. Well, I hope that's an important study. Imani, thanks for your participation in that. As I said, you and I can take this study very personally because it's a work that we have allowed ourselves to be assigned, and so we got to take it seriously. Well, also, other men should be having, I think, the aspiration to qualify themselves to be elders someday because, yeah. you know, you and I and Gordon are elders here. Uh, by the term elder, as we mentioned earlier, implies that we're older. We're not going to last forever. There needs That's to be men coming along <laughs> to qualify themselves to take I, our place at that, some time. I feel that more every day. I think you're exactly right. Kyle, any final thoughts? No, it's a good study. I think it's yeah, it's something that, like Money said, all men need to keep in mind to aspire, at least hope to qualify. All right. Yeah, thanks. thanks for your help, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Money. You're great. Lord willing, we'll be back next Thursday night with another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, We hope that you'll be able to listen and participate. Until that time, read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.